You're listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. Dave is up to quench our thirst by looking at the connection between water and spirit in the first seven chapters of John in this episode of the Summer Mortgage Series. If you have questions and want to continue the conversation, send us an email at thewholetestament at gmail.com or leave us a comment. We also depend on listeners like you to keep the conversation going, so take a moment and consider what it would look like to partner with us by visiting thewholetestament.com and clicking on the Donate tab. Hey, so what we're going to do today is we are going to look at uh, the first seven chapters of the book of John, and there's a theme that is woven in to each of those seven chapters of John that lead us to a place where God desires us to be. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at one uh, passage from each of the first seven chapters. And and what we're gonna do is we're gonna see how God is telling us a story and how John, the author, who's very like, um, of all the gospels, John tells stories none of the other gospels do. In fact, a couple of our stories in here are only in the book of John because John is like one of the more rabbinic teachers. He's um, less concerned about the chronology of events and how this happened and this happened, but what his his goal is, as, as I understand it, um, as we've been looking at it, is that uh, he wants us to understand who God is. The stories are to point us to who God is, who Jesus is as his son. And so, each story is specific in trying to draw out um, a another characteristic of who the Messiah is. And so we're going to start at the very end of the seven chapters, the culmination of this little theme that's running through uh, and look at that. And then we'll start, we'll go back to the beginning and see how we, um, how John wants us to lead us up to this point. Okay. So it says in John chapter seven, verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. I'm just gonna stop there momentarily. We are going to be doing um, in the fall, a series on the feasts of Leviticus chapter 23, the, the biblical holidays. And this is talking about the last day of the feast. This is the feast of um, booths or the feast of Sukkot. And on the last day, there's this huge celebration where they go and get water from the pool of Siloam and there's the priests and there's trumpets and there's palm branches and they come up and they do this procession around the altar seven times. They pour the water out on the altar. It's a big deal and it's got a lot of symbolism. Um, we'll get to that eventually in, in the feasts teachings, the series on the feast when we get to Sukkot. Um, but I just wanted to point out, this is a big deal and it's all about centered about water and the pouring out of water, which is like the spirit of God coming down anyway. So we need to be aware there's something significant happening here. On the last and great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. On the last day, when they're pouring out the water, Jesus stands up and he says, if you thirst, 
If you're thirsty, come to me, and out of you will flow rivers of living water. And then John says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, the thing about living water is it's a it's a water source that comes straight from the hand of God. It can't be collected in jugs. It's not like um, a big hole you dig in the ground and the water fills it and it sits there uh, because you know what happens. Like right now, we're struggling with our swimming pool. We got a small above ground swimming pool and it is green and we're fighting it to try to get it Going, we think our pump isn't strong enough to, to circulate and skim all the stuff off. And so um, it's super green. Well, if that's with a pump, if I were to turn the pump off and just have a thing of water, it would only be a matter of days before that thing was a pond and it was disgusting. So if you're thinking about collecting water for uses for drinking and you have just a hole dug in the ground and it fills up with water, it gets gross really fast. In fact, in Jeremiah, it says, God says this, my people have rejected me, the, the living water for broken and and useless cisterns. A cistern is a hole dug that just collects water. But see what God says is, is he is the living water, the water that moves and brings life. All throughout, if you listen to the Tabernacle series, you heard about the the water, the sources of water in Eden, the water that's going to come out of the Tabernacle in the Ezekiel Tabernacle, and it's going to flow and bring life. It's like, that's God saying, I am that living water. And so Jesus is standing up here while they're celebrating the living water at the tabernacle, at the temple, pouring it out on the altar. Jesus is standing up and saying, I am that living water. If you come to me, I will put me, the Holy Spirit, that living water in you and it will flow out of you. Can you imagine like the picture in Ezekiel is the temple and out of the temple is the water that's just gushing forth, bringing forth life. Jesus says, that's who you are to be. You are to be the fountains of living water. If you come to me, if you believe in me, I'll put my spirit in you and out of you will flow rivers of living water. But it doesn't start there. You see, it starts way back in John chapter one, this theme of water in the first seven chapters. I was surprised. I I knew it was in three and I knew it was in chapter four. And I started looking, I was like, that's weird. I wonder. And it's in one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. And so we're gonna kind of look at them. John chapter one, we're gonna look at it. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is whom have I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and have bore witness that this is the son of God. So here's John the Baptist. And you know what he says? He says, I wasn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know who he was. But when I baptized him, the spirit of God set uh, his spirit on him. And God had already told me, this is the sign. 
that you should look for. And he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So right in chapter one, John, the author, is telling us through John, the baptizer, this is a brand new thing that we need to be paying attention to. Things are about to shift. Things are about to change. And so my, my first question to you in John chapter one is, do you know Jesus? I would think it would probably be rare for somebody to be listening that isn't a follower of Jesus to what we're doing here. But if you don't know Jesus, if he hasn't revealed himself to you, then my prayer for you right now is that God would open your eyes and you would see the Son of God, just like John. He said, I didn't know him, but then God revealed it to me that this is the the Messiah and things will be different. That's John chapter one. John chapter two. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. So I don't know, most of you probably know this story. Jesus is at the wedding and they run out of wine. And so his mother's like, hey, Jesus, do this. And he's like, woman, my time has not yet come. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You guys do what he tells you. And she just kind of pushes Jesus into this story. John is, the, I think, the only one who talks about this story. Um, and I think there's an intentional thing about it. So what Jesus does is he goes and he gets water, right? And not just water, he gets water and he puts it into purification vessels, vessels that were made for the purification rites of Israel. So John in chapter one is baptizing. He's doing a purification ritual um, that Israel already knew. It wasn't a brand new thing that John started doing. The people were aware of it. This is a an immersion, a mikvah, um, where they go and they immerse and it's a purification rite. So John is doing that and he says, but God's gonna, but Jesus has come to do more than just this physical purification. He's coming to spend his Holy Spirit. And in John chapter two, we find that we're using the vessels for purification to fill up with water and Jesus begins to turn it into wine. And so I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, so here, here's John is trying to show us this new thing that's happening. You need to understand who Jesus is. So the first thing is, do you know who he is? The second thing is, is that, are you aware that with just the mention of a word, our circumstances can change. Like Jesus can speak into our finances. Jesus can speak into our need, a physical need. This is a wedding and they planned poorly. You know, they poorly planned and they didn't have enough wine. It's not, it's like, this is the first miracle Jesus does. It has, it holds very little real significance to anything other than here's John saying, I need to put this story in here. The other guys left it out. I need to put this story in here because I need you to understand that whatever your need is, Jesus can just say a word and change it. Do you believe that? Chapter three, he meets in the dark of night with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is a religious authority. I love what The Chosen, um, the video series about Jesus does um, with Nicodemus. I mean, he's, we often look at the Pharisees and the scriptures as the bad guys. And I don't think they are. I think we've 
have a few passages where Jesus addresses them specifically, but I think that they were really, majority of them, probably trying their best. And here's this guy, Nicodemus, and he's trying to wrestle with the idea of Jesus in light of all of the things he has known up to this point. And so Jesus sits down with him and he, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which born of the spirit is spirit. So Jesus looks at this guy, Nicodemus, and he says, you know what? It's more than just the physical keeping of the commandments. It's more than just the in and out everyday list keeping of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, are you willing Are you willing to accept that God is doing something, that God is moving, that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us, his followers, and that that it may change our traditions? You see, Nicodemus was held into his traditions of what he thought religion was. And what John wants us to know right right out the gate is that the traditions that we hold on to might just be that traditions. And the Spirit of God is going to come upon us and teach us and lead us and guide us into truth. We can't just be keeping our physical list of what, oh, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to come and guide us. And so my question for you out of chapter three is, is the Holy Spirit what is guiding you or are your traditions guiding you? Which is more important, the traditions of man or the commands of God? The spirit of God leading us into his truth. Um, one of my biggest struggles that I find um, and the discussions and the, and the debates that we have with people in and out of our lives is that um, so many times we just want to be right, um, but we don't want to know the truth. We want what we believe to be right. We'll get on message boards and blogs and we'll be like, oh yeah, da, 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 and we'll say all these things. We want what we believe to be what's right, but that's not what we're called to. That's not what Jesus is calling Nicodemus to. He's calling him to be, do you want what is true? Chapter four, we find Jesus with the woman at the well. And here's this woman who's coming in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to be around people. And Jesus sees and he knows, he knows what's going on in her life. And he looks at her and he points out like, um, she's had five husbands and the one she's with right now isn't her husband. And Jesus looks right at her and he's like, hey, go call your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, he speaks right to her truth. And he tells her, he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. There's that living water thing again. See, Jesus looks at the woman and he says, you know what? I see beyond just this physical well where we need the water 
to survive and sustain us. We got to be born not just of water, but of spirit. And he looks at her spirit and he says, you know what? Are you thirsty? I can fulfill your thirst. He's looking at us and he's saying, you know what? Do you keep coming back to this, this well that doesn't satisfy do you keep coming back to the same old, same old sin and the same old struggle and the same old self-deprecation and the same old chaos time after time after time trying to fill your thirst? You know, if you look up that word thirst, it's, uh, it's, um, it means to lust after, to deeply desire. Like we come after these things and Jesus is saying, hey, do you believe who I am? Do you understand who I am? I can fill your thirst. Are you thirsty? Jesus says, let me fill your thirst. Let me be the living water that you drink. Quit coming back to broken cisterns that cannot hold water. John chapter five, there's this paralyzed guy who's been laying by a pool. The, um, the legend is, and some of the manuscripts doesn't, don't have this story and John doesn't include it, but some of the manuscripts have that the angel, an angel would come down and stir the water and the first one into the water would be healed of whatever his disease was or whatever his ailment was. And so Jesus comes up and he finds this guy in the pool of Siloam, by the pool of um, Bethesda, I mean, not Siloam. And um, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One was man who's, who had, bleh, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? See, I was talking with my kids about this and I was, I was thinking like, um, if you knew like, that as soon as the water bubbled, you would be healed. Of, you couldn't walk. You couldn't do anything. And you knew, what would you be doing? And they were all like, I'd be laying on the side of the pool. And I was like, that's exactly right. When you go to the public pool and there's this lifeguard break, and then when it's about over, everybody knows because the lifeguards are getting back up on their stands and they're just waiting for the whistle to blow. All the kids just come crowding around the edge of the pool. So as soon as the whistle blows, they're in the water. So this guy had been there 38 years, 38 years, and couldn't get to the water. Jesus looks at him and he's like, you know what? I see what's going on here. Do you want to be well? Here's again John with his story about the water, the physical and Jesus comes along and says, it's not about this physical, it's about this spiritual thing. And I see you laying here. I see you've accepted this as just the reality of your life and you're just okay with the way things are and you're pretending that you're doing what you need to do to get the healing that you need. And Jesus looks right at him and he looks right at us. He looks right at us. He sees our thirst from John chapter four. He sees the, 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 the weight, the and the burden on us. And he looks right at us and he says, hey, do you want to be well? I've had to ask myself that question. It's hard. It's hard to look at yourself, look at your sinfulness, look at the 
habits that you've created that flow out of you, out of you into your relationships and say, do I want to be well? John chapter 6. Jesus sends his disciples ahead on the lake and he goes up on the mountain to pray. And he knows there's a storm coming. He knows it. He sends him out on the lake and they're out on that lake. And it says they, after they had rowed, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him in the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So you picture this, um, the disciples are out on the lake. And other stories, it's like this huge storm blows up and they're fighting the storm and not getting anywhere. And they're rowing and they're rowing and they're fighting and they're all alone in the boat. And, and I don't know about you, but I've like the last several months, have felt like that. We had a brand new baby. We have my oldest daughter had was diagnosed with cancer inside her eye and we had to deal with like figuring out what that means and going through all the treatments and you'll be glad to know. I'm glad to know the baby is now sleeping through the night, which is a huge blessing and our daughter is doing really really well. Everything is going as it's supposed to. Uh, we go again in a couple weeks to have a checkup, but um, we've we feel like the, the the radiation did what it was supposed to, killed the cancer. She didn't lose her vision in her eye. All of the things that we were worried about have all come out to be really, really good news. And um, so that's a huge blessing. But for a while there, it was like, we don't know what's going on with Anna. The baby's not sleeping. It's super stressful. Life is chaotic. And I, and I felt like I'm in this boat and I'm rowing and I'm rowing and I'm rowing and the storm is coming. And I'm like, where is Jesus? I'm doing, I, I'm like the disciples, right? I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to do the best that I can to follow you. I'm learning. I'm trying to be um, a good disciple to, to live my life the way I need to live and to learn from you. And, and you've stuck me in this position and you know, you know what was going to happen. And you put me here and I'm rowing and I'm rowing and the waves are crashing and it feels like I'm just fighting and I'm not getting anywhere. And where are you? And then Jesus just shows up and it's over. He shows up, he gets on the boat, and they're automatically on the other side. John's telling us, hey, I know you're trying. I know you're doing the right thing. I know you're living the right life. Do you believe that Jesus knows where you are right now? Do you believe that Jesus is coming? He's on his way.
See, we need to work through all these things. We have to know who Jesus is. We have to believe that he has the power over our circumstances, that he can change our short, our, our physical needs instantly. We have to believe that he's greater than our traditions. We have to not thirst for anything other than him. We have to want to get well. We have to be um, believing that even in the midst of the chaos, he is there because when we get all of those things, we find ourselves at chapter seven where Jesus says, see, if you believe in me, if you believe all these things in me, then guess what's going to happen? Out of you will flow living waters. You become the source. We become the source of the living water that will flow out into the world around us. Because when we can get past all those things, now we can speak to all those things. I can speak into the needs. I can have faith that God can fix that situation. I can have faith that God can use me and my finances to fix that situation. I can see people that are thirsting and I can point them to the Messiah because you know what? It flows, it flows out of me because I've allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me into understanding who it is I really am following. This is what John is teaching us. This is what John is calling us to. The question is, do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe he can do what he says he can do? And if so, are you willing to allow him to just flow out of you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for just, I'm overwhelmed every time I come to the scriptures and you just open things up like this to me. And it's just amazing. And I just pray, God, right now that you would open things up like this to everybody who's listening, that they would need only their scriptures and their spirit to see things that um, are so amazing and powerful. And I also pray, God, that um, wherever we are in this whether we're in chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, or we're living out chapter seven, God, I just pray um, the key thing in all of this is your spirit. It's your spirit. You've come to baptize with the spirit. And so I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would fall middle of the day, middle of the night, driving, at work, wherever we are right now, that your Holy Spirit would fall. And that you would help us take that next step. That you would help us to believe that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. And we are not who we think we are, but we are who you say we are. And you would raise us up, God. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to The Whole Testament. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, so share the show with your friends and family, and be sure to leave a rating and review. You can also find us on all the socials by searching at The Whole Testament. All of our episodes are available at our website, and you can listen to them by heading over to thewholetestament.com. The Whole Testament is supported by people like you. To help us to continue the conversation, head to thewholetestament.com and click on the Donate tab. We'll see you next time.
there. Thanks for listening. To, thanks for listening to the whole.